0: Hello and welcome to our first smart building uh, webinar of 2020. hope everyone is doing well and has had a good start to the year. And today, the big topic is 2020, the year of building automation cybersecurity. Um, Very timely, I think, and uh, very, very happy to have some real industry veterans on the line. Uh, We've got Anto Bajarajo, Jim Lee, and also um, a a new contact of mine, uh, Steve, and I'm gonna ask all three of them to give a quick intro in in a bit. Um, What we are discussing today, basically these guys, we're we're live from AHR Expo, um, and we really wanted to have um, a good discussion around what this year might bring in terms of cybersecurity. So this is an overview of some of the things that they've already been discussing um, at AHR, Um, and also around BACnet Secure secure Connect and and other issues as well, which we will come on to shortly. Uh, Just before we start, I'm very uh, interested in making this interactive. So if anyone has questions, please feel free to type them in. I'll be able to get them here and we'll we'll then discuss those um, as we go along. And we've left time at the end as well to do that. Um, Also, uh, if, you would like to subscribe to our content, please do. Um, You can do that um, through SoundCloud, through iTunes, uh, and through Spotify as well. You just need to search for Smart Building Series and you'll find us. Um, And uh, you'll be able to get this recording um, and you'll be able to listen to it um, as a podcast or even through YouTube. So there we go, that's the bit of housekeeping done. Um, Now over to you guys. Anto, would you like to take over and make the introductions?
1: Yeah, it's great to, uh, to to talk to everybody um, from uh, sunny Orlando. Although today wasn't so sunny, a little bit of cl- a little bit of cloudy, which is okay. Uh, so my name is Anto Budiarjo. Um, I've been uh, in the building uh, automation, building systems uh, space for about thirty years. Um, I'm a lot of uh, the projects that I'm involved with uh, right now uh, revolve around cybersecurity, one way or another. One way or another um i um i'm the organizer of the the new deals um cybersecurity summit that we'll talk about in a in a short while so that's obviously heavily secured uh, revolving around security i work um i help uh, jim lee on um a new product um uh, technology called Secured by symmetrix and i also have uh, another company paddy um which is creating a, a cloud based platform that's also um cybersecurity related so Cyber cybersecurity is um, in a lot of things that I do, and I think, uh, obviously, uh, with, uh, with both uh, Jim and Steve. So, Steve, do you want to go next and introduce yourself? Yeah. Good morning. I'm Steve Fay, and I'm CEO
2: of Totem Building Cybersecurity. We're a new company. We've been in business now for a little over a year. And uh, Totem has, is bringing a, uh, a software platform that the industry can use to, manage, to assess and manage cybersecurity risk. Uh, My, uh, some of you may know of me, I was uh, CEO of Tritium in 2006 to 2012, and I've had uh, stints at other building automation companies prior to that, Uh, and uh, I'm glad to be part of this because uh, cybersecurity is is what we are all about, and I hope to uh, let you know more about it in the the
3: days and weeks to come. I am Jim Lee. I'm uh, president of Symmetrics. Uh, Symmetrics now has uh, been in the business 30 years, and uh, we are the largest supplier of BACnet technology to the controls industry, so we sell protocol stacks. We also have an analytics business. We've been very interested in cybersecurity for 10 to 15 years, and we've been working uh, under the auspices of the ASHRAE BACnet Committee, specifically the IT working group which is chaired by our CTO, Jim Butler. And uh, in that group, we worked on developing BACnet Secure Connect, which was just released in November. So uh, looking forward to an active discussion this morning of what BACnet Secure Connect is, uh, what it is not, and what we really need to do to get security into this industry as quickly as possible.
1: Okay, so the first thing we uh, want to talk about is the Cybersecurity Summit that we held yesterday morning here in uh, Orlando. Um, it's, it's been organized by um, uh, an, an entity called New Deal for Buildings, which is um, uh, sort of a loose organization um, m- with a mission of um, bringing uh, discussing key, uh, key subjects. Um, that is sort of highly relevant to the building automation and smart building industry. And for last year, we did a summit in in the AHR in Atlanta, and this year we we did it here in Orlando. Um, Those are the sponsors that gives uh, an idea of, um, uh, you know, who's sort of behind not only the summit, but also having uh, a discussion about cybersecurity and how um, the BAS industry really needs to get its act together uh, in this respect. Dealing with cybersecurity, because it's it's going to be a real barrier to uh, the adoption of uh, all the sort of IP-centric and internet-centric smart building technology. If we don't figure out cybersecurity, right? So that was kind of the 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 the, the objective, uh, certainly of the summit this year. Um, the speakers that we had um, on the panel, and uh, many of them uh, made uh, presentations about various things that we'll come to in a minute. Uh, again, it's um, an awesome lineup uh, of um, really the the thought leaders from the the companies that um, that sponsor the event uh, on cybersecurity. Um, so it's really it was really really good conversation. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the?
3: I, I think that uh, the interesting thing is that there's a, uh, there's been quite an awakening. Uh, last year, people were very interested in the security topic. Now they're really engaged in actionable uh, items, trying to figure out their product management strategies on the OEM side, and uh, building owners are trying to figure out uh, what it means to their organizations, because security is a very uh, large and open question, and uh, a lot of people don't know where to start. So I think I'll turn it over to Steve for a minute. He can... uh, uh, give perspectives on, on how to start and what he felt about the summit.
2: Thanks, Jim. So, yeah, the, the challenge with cyber is it's multifaceted and it affects uh, the entire uh, chain, if you will, of, of, of the parties that make up, uh, you know, a building. So it starts with the owner. Uh, it starts with the it moves into the facilities organization and you have the manufacturers who by The various systems. And we're talking, and we're cyber's concern that it has to go beyond building automation. These include lighting control and access and video surveillance and all of the systems that are, are intelligent and are in buildings and typically today are, are networked. And then, probably most importantly, it needs to involve the contractors who provide, install, and service these systems. And they all have a role to be to play in cyber, but at a very fundamental level, our industry is literally at the beginning of this journey they're really waking up to the fact that uh these systems are getting hacked uh, more more and more increasingly and and there's a there's a just a fundamental issue about who owns the problem and, and i think it's a simple answer to that is we all do we all have a part to play but there's a there's this path to figuring out how how to secure buildings effectively is one that we're very much in the question of right now uh, and that's one of the reasons we had this summit yesterday was to get everybody talking about it and increase our, our collective awareness
1: so to, to, to because this is such a big subject that, that impacts a lot of people um, we kind of need a framework or sort of a way to think about this um, and uh, we discussed this in the in the in the run-up to the summit. We've had we had uh, quite a number of sort of planning calls with, with basically this group of people. Um, and what we decided to do was to go all in on the NIST cybersecurity framework, which is this thing here. Um, now, at first glance, it may kind of look dry and and kind of not really that exciting, but it, it really draws the picture and tells the story of cybersecurity. Right. Because cybersecurity is not just having a secure password and having BACnet SC. uh, It involves all of these functions. So maybe we could spend a a minute or two on each of these functions, sort of a summary of what happened yesterday. Um, That starts Well, that will start to give, I think, the the audience here sort of an idea of why this is important. Uh, So, Steve, you talked about identify yesterday. So you can do a summary version of that. Absolutely. So, if
2: you're not familiar with with NIST and the cybersecurity framework, it's easy enough to uh, go on, you know, Google and, and look it up. It's a it was developed uh, initially for sure for the enterprise IT space, uh, but all of the way the document works, uh, the framework works. It's very much applicable to uh, this controls industry in terms of how we need to think about uh, cyber. It's a five step process, as you see here, and it begins on the left with identify and identify really is about asking the question, do I know what I have in my building and, and, and breaking that down? And do I know my environment? So the, the point about asset management, that's what are my systems? I have BAS, I have lighting, I have access control and so on. And my business environment is about answering the question well, what kind of a building do I have and what's, what goes on in that building? Is, is this a hospital? Is this a data center? Is this an office building? Is this a retail outlet? And, it's, and that's very important contextually in terms of cyber because the clearly if I'm a hospital and I've got an operating suite, uh, I don't want my HVAC going off in the middle of surgery. So the criticality is is really the question you need to ask yourself in, when you're talking about the business environment. Governance uh, touches on the topic of of policies and procedures. Uh, uh, Jim uh, Lee was very uh, insightful yesterday in his presentation. He said, we're an industry that sells products and projects. And we don't really get involved too much with process. And governance is really all about process and, and specific security. It's such a major piece that we're really Uncomfortable with, and we've got to uh, take seriously. When you start this, when you start to run the process of cybersecurity, you're doing an assessment, meaning you're going in and, and deciding what are my assets, what is my business environment, uh, do I have the policies that I need, and if not, I need to create them. So that's the, the what you undertake to begin this journey of, of, of uh, securing your systems. First, have to assess them. Uh, once they're assessed. Then you need to have a strategy for how you're going to maintain uh, your security over time, and that's really what risk management is about. Uh, because as we, I'm sure you all know, the the bar for securing systems in the IT world uh, has to grow every year, and it's it's going to be no different for us. Every every year the systems change, that the the threat, uh, what they call the threat vectors increase. So you have to have a strategy that's going to take that into account. Uh, a strategy around how you're going to respond to the threats when they occur. And then finally you have the supply chain. And and in this industry, I would say supply chain is, is a critical factor and it's about the relationship of the owner to the, to the various vendors as, as represented by manufacturers and the contractors themselves. And one of the things that's certainly not in place today in that regard, is is when you look at a building automation specification, for example, it's very operationally driven or functionally driven. There aren't there isn't a section in the specification that, that talks about cyber. That's going to change. Contracts between owners and, and contractors are going to have requirements for those organizations to be operating in a way that is secure. And so that you're going to see a lot of changes in this particular bucket. And it's again all part of identifying.
3: Jim, can you talk about protecting the tech? And can- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, first, I'd like to start out and say, look at everything that Steve just went over. How much technology is involved in that? Certainly some, but the real story here is that the NIST framework is a uh, way of thinking about problems, but they're not just technology problems. There's a lot of business process here. In fact, almost all of it is business process. Uh, I am going to talk about the technology sections now and protect and detect, but I just want to make clear that uh, this isn't, once again, a product or a project which is going to deploy a technology to solve this problem. It's, it's largely a process problem. But on to protect for a minute. So how do we protect these systems? First, we have to decide under identity management and access control who's going to be allowed to get on the systems and uh, there are many ways of controlling that certainly we're all familiar with passwords and other things but it's a much more complex topic Uh, awareness and training Uh, how do we get the building automation industry uh, the users the owners the uh, building operators to have awareness of security and what it takes to actually deploy these systems now we finally get to some technology uh, data security This is where BACnet Secure Connect would come in, actually physically securing the networks that are out there. Uh, Information protection, once again, processes and procedures. How do I handle the information? Not just the bits on the wire, on the network, uh, but documentation as to uh, how the systems are built. Uh, Maintenance. Once the system goes in, once again, we have hackers continually trying to get into these systems over time. So, you don't just buy security and it goes away. You have to continue to work on it over time. And this includes things like software updates. As you know, there are security patches coming into your devices all the time. Uh, But how are we going to get into these deeply embedded devices? These are some of the kinds of things that technology is going to uh, change with. And we'll talk about uh, uh, Backnet SC, it's secured by Symmetrics, some of these technologies that we're using to. uh, to provide that ongoing maintenance. And finally, protective technology. Once again, we're down into the uh, protocol stacks and the the real bits and bytes of how we do the security, which we'll talk more about later. Okay, so that's how you, you basically secure the system. What happens if someone gets in anyways? How do you detect hackers, problems, anomalies and events? And uh, the answer is, is that you have to have uh, software and processes to understand what normal behavior is and be able to detect abnormal behavior. Uh, You have to monitor the system basically permanently to make sure that uh, people aren't trying to get in. Then you have to have business process uh, as to uh, uh, how that detection works. And so. So the the, the, the two
1: right pan columns respond and recover are very much process and business oriented right a lot of it's about in both it's about um planning so obviously need, you need to plan um how you would respond when um when an incident occurs in in a building um, and um, so that's a key part of uh re- respond the sort of the respond function um, Part of that planning will, will talk about, uh, it needs to be about communications. And here we're not really talking about network communications. We're talking about human communication, you know, what to say to your tenants, what to say to um, your vendors, who to say that to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And also, uh, depending on the building, if it's a large or prominent building, it's communication through the media. Um, And then there's uh, analysis of what's, what's going on so you can actually uh, react properly. Um, Mitigation and improvements are sort of the sort of self-improvement sort of cycles after a response incident and uh, uh, mitigate the the incident from happening again. So one of the interesting things about the Respond, um, when you start to talk about Respond, is that that's quite likely to happen, you know, probably years after the building is, is installed right it may happen the, the next day but it could it could also happen more likely in you know, years down the road and the 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 question is uh, by that time any installer or uh, contractor that's involved in insta- in the installation of BS would have been long gone right there would have be they would be on other uh, projects they may be in the maintenance loop but they may not be right so um, what's interesting is that what the conscience right, can actually impact the response down the road when they're no longer involved, right? So one of the questions was posed is that, you know, how does that work? How, how um, when, when in an incident happened and it's all the sort of, um, you know, panic stations trying to figure out what's going on, hopefully not so much panic, but, um, you know, what is the impact on that contractor that, that probably hasn't thought about that building for, for years? And the, one of the really striking answer is that, yes, it does impact that contractor because the, the, the sort of the reputation of that contractor could actually be, uh, uh, you know, brought out into the, as part of the, the, re- the response process or it may actually be something that was caused years ago that was not something that was not done right. So, you know, this, this kind of thinking um, really is kind of uh, is brought out by this whole sort of framework. The last function is recover, and this uh, similar kind of things here, which is really how to recover. Um, uh, planning wise, uh, there was a lot of talk and discussion about uh, tabletop exercises to actually sort of run through um, uh, fire drill kind of um, scenarios of how to bring the system back uh, online, how to uh, make sure you have good backups, um, and uh, again, there's a lot of communications. Um, both uh, internally, um, lessons learned, but, yeah, lessons learned, and improvement—the sort of the, the cycle. Um, one of the, I think the the thing that kept on coming up, and I, I think was probably the, the biggest takeaway from this whole discussion was that there was a lot of, in a lot of the answers and discussion, there was a lot of uh, people saying, you know, you need to make a plan, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and then the question is like, who who is you when you say you? You know who is you and there is no one you i mean ideally it would be a really sort of organized building owner that can actually sort of take that role but in a lot of cases actually us right? all the way from the vendors to the to the contractor integrated facility management yeah. and and the, the building sort of management so that's kind of the the biggest sort of takeaway that that, that i that i got then you're not immune just because you know you're doing a project and you're out and you finish the project so that's kind of my take on what happened um hand it over back to you um jim are there any questions thanks do you have any yes, comments and to
0: yeah we do got a couple of questions here um one um from a european perspective um does this uh, did you guys um take into account or align with some of the legislation that's coming out of the eu like the cybersecurity act
1: uh yes it did it did come up hans Jorg was our european representative um where
2: did it come up just trying to think it was a little bit of discussion around GDPR. Yes, uh, but but is there a? Are you saying, Jim, that there's a separate um, standard that's coming out of Europe that's similar to NIST? Is that what you're talking about? Um,
0: it was a question that was raised by one of the audience, and I know that there's recently been um, a uh, uh, some EU legislation passed called the Cybersecurity Act, and I think the they, the question was whether whether that whether what NIST is talking about here or, or in the discussion that you guys had, did it come up and is there some alignment with, with, some, with some of that legislation? So
1: I, I don't think either of the three of us know specifics no, about no that. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> just I think, the, just but the, I think the, the, the answer has to be yes. We talked about GDPR. We also talked a little bit about the, the California um, uh, initiative, the cybersecurity and IoT initiative. And and uh, that it definitely has to fit into this. Um, yeah. It's it may be a good subject that we need to sort of cover yeah. the next one, but we didn't. There, yeah. there was there wasn't that deep conversation about that.
0: No problem. Uh, and then another question here, um, saying of course that this uh, cybersecurity frameworks are very helpful. Of um, course, this NIST one, and I think it's actually very. Um, very well put together. I thought it makes things um, very interesting. Um, But their question is, um, how helpful would this be or would it be well understood by installers? Um, I mean, I guess that comes as part of the, under the identify umbrella, right? But I think it's a valid question. I mean, in terms of education really, isn't it? Like how do, do we expect this to be understood by, Every stakeholder, and if so, how do you think? uh, You know, how do we meet that challenge? Yeah, I I
2: guess you're asking a question that's sort of in the wheelhouse of what uh, Totem, this company that I'm running, is is trying to help answer. Uh, So the the reality is is that at the contractor level, there's a, a strong lack of awareness, a significant lack of awareness around what cyber is, and 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 so there's a tremendous educational challenge in front of us and that's a a part that's a big part of what uh, totem is trying to do for the contractors out there is give them a means to get them up this learning curve because uh you throw a document like this up in front of them and they're not there's you're going to get glazed eyes to be honest so it's you've got to take this and turn it into something that uh, speaks their language in terms of whether it's building, you know, automation or access control. It has to be very relevant to the things that they actually do. So, what does that mean? Well, they 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 configure systems. They configure the users in those systems. They install uh, control networks. Uh, they they configure and install servers in many cases, and uh, so and they have and hopefully they're. Organizing some sort of backup to these systems as well. Well, that's the language that uh, where we have to take the theory, if you will, here and put it into practice, because the, the objective is to get them to understand the right ways to do these configurations, and these setups such that they're done uh, in, in to align well with the principles here that the, the framework talks about. So, yeah, it's an educational challenge. It's one that's going to take, frankly, years to.
0: Yep, and um, actually, there's some uh, uh, comments here as well along those lines. Um, One here, there is an educational process that integrators need to go through and mature the processes they use. Um, And they need to start with – they need to start – with basic best practices, um, and um, there uh, also here a, another comment: um, the responsibility is for sure us in inverted commerce. Um, but would it be nobody at the end of the day if the roles and responsibilities are not clearly defined? Um, so yeah, I think they that echoes. Uh, yeah. So pretty-
1: yeah. If I if I could sort of expand on that a little bit, right? So there was mm-hmm. one one part of the discussion yesterday which i thought was really interesting it's like this this whole sort of you us and, you know who's who who's actually doing what so the question was um all of this is would would work fine if the building owner has a plan right i mean at the end of the day that's they're probably the the top of the food chain right so the, the question is okay so if you're a contractor and you know your your um, you're, you're responding to a bid and you, you get the project or you're likely to get the project, but there is no plan, right? But you know, there needs to be a plan because if there is no plan that you may be um, at risk three years down the road when something happens. you know, what what should you as a contractor or as an installer do, right? You're not gonna turn away the job because generally speaking, contractors don't do that. <laughs> they don't want to do that, thank you very much. So, you know, there, there is some there's an opportunity there for for, for people who are install buildings to say, Hey, uh, building owner, um, or hey, whoever it is that they, they're dealing with, there really should be a plan here, and this is kind of our template of a plan. We need to, we'd like to see something like this so that everybody's protected and doing the responsible thing. So there are opportunities, and I think you know one of the slides that Jim Lee had um, really speaks to the fact that uh, there's a lot of opportunities for um, uh, stakeholders in in the sort of the building automation chain, as it were, to actually. Um, uh, promote the fact that uh, cybersecurity has to be thought out throughout the process, and not just uh,
0: a simple technology issue. Yeah, I mean, I hundred percent agree with that. I think ultimately uh, this will become um, a big, uh, a big opportunity for people as well to differentiate their offering. You know, about um, how how much security they can provide. Um, Yeah, um, just one more question, one more comment I've had in uh, before we move on. I know we're keen to talk about BATnet SC as well. Uh, The building owner has been heavily dependent on the systems integrator. Therefore, the SI is the primary knowledge keeper. Uh, The building owner needs to take over more of the knowledge keeper role. I think, yeah, interesting comment.
2: For sure, um, uh, Anto was uh, referring to uh, you know the who's, who owns this thing and it, where's what's the head of the top of the pyramid and really it needs to be the owner ultimately uh, and but in facilities or in facilities organizations again there's a lack of awareness of cybersecurity as part of the responsibility for the facilities team generally when there's a problem it ends up in the IT. Larger organizations may often bring IT into the picture or larger facility organizations sometimes have a dedicated IT uh, resource on the team. Um, and, and that's really critical at the end of the day that, that the owner uh, assume the overall responsibility for security, particularly when you get into respond and recover and think about what happens when an event occurs. It's it's got to be driven at the owner level as to who's going to be uh, on the hook for, for 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 figuring out the problem or mitigating uh, the damage while things are going on. And, and again, if you don't have, if you haven't thought through what your policies and procedures are going to look like when that event occurs, you're going to be caught unprepared, and and no one's going to look good in that process. So we very much encourage that the owners. Uh, assume the overall
3: or be the accountable uh, party in this in this effort and to that end we had quite a discussion yesterday about who's going to pay and what it means and when we talk about the building owner if you look at larger organizations uh, as security is a process not a project or a product it can't be financed the way that we build buildings where everything's contemplated as a capital asset up front and then not another penny is spent over the life cycle. Because it's ongoing and because IT changes at three-year intervals and buildings at 30-year intervals, uh, the question is, is who has the budget to actually pay for ongoing security? And largely, there's a, a thought process that leads to IT will pay that ongoing component. But we haven't made that leap to hyperspace where IT actually has budgets right now so this is going to be a very interesting thing in the industry to see how it shakes out uh, the question as to who is going to pay yeah
0: yes indeed would uh, would you like I just like to move on now to the next slide yeah yeah so
1: just one quick point before we move on um, the the speakers that made uh, these presentations yesterday uh, wrote a series of uh, articles uh, that are on the New Deal blog. It's actually they're, they're relatively short, four or five-minute pieces each. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be really interesting reading for um, your audience. Um, right. And we're also working on uh, combining them into essentially a, a white paper that we'll distribute sometime in the next week or two, uh, and I'll um, I'll, I'll I'll notify you, Jim, so that um, maybe you can uh, uh, yeah, distribute
0: absolutely. that to your subscribers. We can uh, we can put some links up on the uh, the notes for right. the, for this Wonderful. webinar. Definitely. Wonderful.
1: All right. So moving on, uh, the next subject is uh, BACnet SC. Um, Jim,
3: do you want to start this? Sure. So once again, BACnet SC has been developed under the auspices of the uh, ASHRAE BACnet Committee the IT working group. uh, Work commenced on it over 10 years ago, and it was approved finally as an ASHRAE standard as part of the BACnet standard uh, in November. BACnet SC, if you will, is uh, a secure data link layer. So BACnet has many other data link layers today, including uh, BACnet IP, which is very prevalent, MSTP, uh, et cetera. So you can think of BACnet Secure Connect as just a new data link layer for all, is to make BACnet IT friendly. And this was the idea from the very beginning. The idea is, is that once again, buildings are on 10, 20, 30 year time cycles in building automation as well, whereas IT is on a three year time horizon. So anything we do in building automation and apply could be wildly obsolete even before it hits hits the market, just because of the fast rate of change of IT standards and processes. So the idea was to split the two things and abstract away the very valuable pieces of backnet uh, for our industry, like the application layers and uh, data definitions, and uh abstract that away from the whatever the IT technology du jour is. So right now. BACnet SC is a series of BACnet applications and data definitions, regular BACnet, and it runs over uh, uh, basically WebSockets, which is the same technology you would use uh, if you were browsing uh, your secure uh, uh, web browser to your bank website. So imagine that as the underlying technology, and that uses uh, something called uh, TLS 1.3, and uh, it's a uh, a very secure technology. Uh, going on a little bit, there are some other changes that are needed because, yes, it is just another data link layer. But now we have to handle security certificates. We have to handle uh, assigning those certificates, configuring the systems. And there's a traffic cop that we've added, and that's called the hub, the BACnet SC hub. Organizes and sets up the communication with the devices, and as you can see on the right hand side of the diagram, I can have peer to peer communication once that security is established. We also have a failover hub uh, where that primary hub uh, to become uh, to fail, so that gives us some uh, reliability. And so, you want to make some comments and I'll
1: go on to that? Yeah, so that's back in the SC, it's a new. Um uh, transport layer which is secure which is great uh, the, the challenge is that when you think about security um, in the sort of the big picture everything that needs to be secured it's not just the communication between devices that needs to, to be secured it's actually the whole system need to be secured right and that uh, Backnet SC brings with it um, some actually some challenges right because to to enable TLS each Net SE device needs a digital certificate, right? Digital certificates are things that are typically installed in, in servers of, of um, in, in the internet that we use daily on a bank server, for example, and other commerce servers. And, and so, you know, they, they're not trivial things to, to install, right? And all of a sudden we have, we're in this sort of situation where every single VAV needs a digital certificate, right? Just Mull upon that statement for a bit, and that's not that's not trivial, right? So um, that that's a that's a challenge. Um, it, so it does not secure the whole network, meaning that we know that um, you know people are not going to just sort of rip out all of the the old backnet and all of the non bacnet stuff that's in a building once uh, backnet SC products come to the market. So we actually have to think about securing the whole network. Right. And the, the sort of the third big point is that the the consumers of uh, the sort of the security um, uh, information about a building, where you know wh- when an incident happened, the response and everything else, uh, is, is they now um, have the responsibility of managing cybersecurity in buildings, uh, which is regarded quite rightly as sort of you know key assets to enterprises, right? so background sc doesn't do anything to to help that other than uh, knowing that the devices are on on a secure uh, uh, layer Uh, so you know some other tools are are, uh, necessary to 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 deliver stuff uh, to the it organization right and then this also you start to think about the the NIST framework that we talked about earlier and all the other sort of process stuff that, that needs to happen the you know everything from the identifying and risk assessment all the way to planning none of that is hand, handled in backnet SC um, so I mean that, that's kind of the the situation that's kind of the nutshell and it's a it's a great it's a great we've made great progress with this, but we've only just started we' just
3: absolutely started. and let's let's just look at some of the implications here. What happens when the facilities guy needs to change a variable air volume box? He needs a security certificate to even change a box. So, if you have a large building, you suddenly have uh, automation that's necessary to to automate that process, lest the facility guy have to go to the IT department to get a security certificate to type into every box every time it needs work.
0: So,
1: if, if you take the sort of the bigger picture, um, from an from an IT perspective, the the sort of the architecture that you need to be looking at is kind of sort of more like this, right? You have the green, which is the the sort of the more traditional IT devices and switches and and services that the IT department is uh, uh, runs or operates on a, on a daily basis. This is a highly simplified diagram, so um, uh, you know there's additional. Products and routers and stuff that's not depicted here. So all the green stuff is what IT know and and love, right? So the blue uh, boxes are the backnet SE devices that can now technically be on that same network because they are secure, right? Uh, in reality, there probably won't be. There'll probably be some kind of VLANing uh, sort of mechanism, but there, there is no reason why this can't occur because it's secure. So you then have these um, on the on the left here. The what what the Uh, Symmetrics called an SPC appliance, which is Symmetrics implementation um, of the BACnet Hub, in addition to uh, additional management functions that are needed to manage the BACnet SC devices. You know, how to onboard, how to manage certificates, how to do things like backup and restore, um, how to authenticate devices, how to authorize them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, now that the devices are, are, uh, are secure, the fact that the actual the end devices are, are secure, you actually need a management layer to sit above it to actually manage all of those things. And the, the, the stack that is, um, the, uh, Symmetrics is actually launching here at AHR, um, that's called Secured by Symmetrix, um, is that stack that uh, provides the management layer uh, at the appliance, at the, at the failover appliance, and also all the way up to uh, the SBC cloud, which is the sort of remote management sort of uh, view of multiple buildings. Uh, the other component of this is uh, there are a whole bunch of BACnet IP and MSCP devices that's not gonna be ripped out, right? So you, you, we see that at the bottom on the left and on the right. Uh, and so there they will be needed Backnet routers and firewalls um, that will isolate those uh, inherently insecure um, devices, so that they can be brought into the, the secure uh, side of, of the network. Um, you know, so this is kind of really the, the new, what the new architecture is needs to look like. Um, and this is also, if you look at it from an IT perspective, an IT organization, this is more akin to what they're normally uh, what they normally see. Do you have any comments on this, Steve? Yeah, just curious about the BACnet router specifically to the
2: uh, old IP devices, devices.
3: How does that play into the department? Well, basically, you need a series of firewall rules that will keep uh, bad actors, if they were to get into the uh, unprotected side, the traditional BACnet IP side, from having any effect on the backnet side, on the uh, backnet secure connect side. So that's uh, that's what we're looking at. And uh, depending on those applications, those firewalls may need uh, different rule sets. Uh, I think it might be a good time to pause for some questions. We just covered an awful lot of ground. Uh, we can certainly go into much more depth, but be interesting to see if uh, people have any questions on what we've talked about so far.
0: Yes, why not? Let's do that. So anyone out there who's got some questions uh, about the last couple of slides we've seen, uh, feel free to put them in. Um, uh, One here is a comment um, and I think it goes back to a little bit about what we were talking about earlier, but um, sometimes IT is the cause of operational negative impact due to lack of understanding. I think that's a fair comment. (laughs) Uh, There needs to be a cooperative effort between FM and IT to avoid uh, this. Um, And NIST acknowledged with 8228 that OT cannot be managed with IT processes. Um, also a question here. Um,
2: Jim, uh, To I, I can share a story with you for a major uh, building in, in a major city here in the United States. Please do,
0: yeah.
2: Where they had about the IT department was scanning uh, using conventional scanning tools and they shut down about 6,000 of the, the 10,000 devices by simply um, you know, trying to find open, uh, trying to find port vulnerabilities on the devices. Mm. So uh, your, your, the comment from the audience is absolutely correct. That cybersecurity in the world of control systems has to be looked at and understood, and managed differently
0: than you manage conventional IT devices. Mm. And what you sense? Something- it is, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. I was just gonna say, what's your sense then of, of where we are with that? Is there still have we is there a now a good understanding of that or or is that still like a major issue? I, I think
3: I, I think not. I think it's still evolutionary. You know, if you turn back the clock uh twenty years, uh the problem was that uh the uh building automation industry was uh very uninformed about IT. And uh now I think we've gotten to the point where there are a lot of very sophisticated people in the building automation space. And in fact, uh, we often don't even get the chance to have an audience with the right people at IT. And when the answer is no, out of the chute, uh, without uh, being able to have a, uh, a rational conversation, uh, it makes it difficult to move forward. Uh, we do think that will change and break down, but it does amaze me every day, uh, the number of IT people that basically have no idea about the operational technology world. So, so, so. The, the other sort of big thing to, uh, to take
1: away from this is that uh, IT people are are never going to want to understand or need to understand the sort of the inner workings of BAS systems, right? And the, the, the chances of IT organizations and IT people being um, uh, up on... Something like BACnet, if you go to an IT department and you say there's BACnet being installed, it's not going to resonate at all. It doesn't doesn't make sense. And it's not likely to make sense, right? I mean, there there are obviously some IT people that do, and that's great. So I think the the philosophy needs to be that we as the uh, BAS industry need to adopt how BAS systems um, are being seen by IT people. Right. And that's not too difficult because they have pretty set standards and pretty set tools that they use, um, whether they're managing servers within their data centers or you know, um, PCs around their, their network or printers. You know, they, All of that is, is known. And, and, and we need to make sure that the, both the information and the presentment of um, the network architecture fits with their model of things, right? Then we can do stuff um, underneath that. And this is the, the purpose of this particular slide. It was done um, uh, you know, with a mind to actually present this to IT. They they would understand that, but they would probably not understand the previous slide about
3: Backnet SC because it really didn't make any sense. Right? Mm-hmm. One of the things we're trying to do uh, to address that is not only as vendors, we're, we're trying to create products that deliver the kinds of things that traditional IT departments would like to see. So when we're providing monitoring services to these new uh, BACnet networks through uh, secured by Symmetrics, for instance, we're serving up things like syslogs and events in such a way as that the traditional IT tools like SIEM tools can uh, look at that information and uh, use it in a way that, uh, that's, that's one method. The other thing we're trying to do is, uh, after we standardize some of these new features, which will go on top of back that SC, we're hoping to uh, standardize them through some IT standards organizations as well, such as the IETF or OASIS, rather than just ASHRAE, So we can uh, uh, come to the IT community with something they're more comfortable with. I think it's a good time to go to the next slide, which is actually our last slide. That actually,
1: because the question here is with SC and the sort of this new architecture that we need to go to. How do we make this happen? And how do we make this happen, you know, soon rather than in, in ten years, right? So mm-hmm. there there are two initiatives that were uh, launched um, this week at AHR um, that sort of uh, is 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 all about not business for you as usual, right? And um, Jim, you want
3: to talk sure. about these? so uh- in, in terms of figuring out how we can ex- accelerate adoption, uh, Andy McMillan and BACnet International have uh, launched a rapid implementation program uh, where they're creating a, a Java-based reference code as well as test devices to help speed uh, manufacturers and OEMs along their way. And they're also looking at accelerating uh, the testing at the BACnet testing laboratories for BACnet Secure Connect compliant products. And at Symmetrics, uh we're looking much more broadly than back at SC, at some of these other functions which are, are completely necessary to have actually a functioning security solution in the industry. So things uh, onboarding, devices, certification management, interoperable configuration, uh, secure backup and restore, uh, firmware updates do that, we're banding together a consortium of, uh, of large OEMs in the industry to come up with these new standards collectively. And in about a year's time, those standards are going to be reintroduced uh, into the uh, back committee, as well as some of these uh, uh, organizations like the IETF to secure other functions that are beyond just the data length. So we apologize for the back music, the uh, show carnival seems to be uh, starting up here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, li- so. li-
1: live uh, from AHR, it's about to open in 10 minutes, but we should be able to continue for another 10 minutes, right? Any yeah. questions? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's um, a question slash comment here. Um, be interesting to get your take on this. Um, someone's saying, in, in my experience, IT groups can have a difficult time giving remote access to BAS service providers. Do you feel that utilizing outbound ports for monitoring, monitoring only would be a way past this? The ability to command yes. remotely would be lost, but at the very least, uh, you could view your equipment and properly deploy when needed. Yes, the, the architecture, if I go back
1: to the architecture uh, diagram, and, and not just for good by Symmetrics, there are a number of other um, companies um, marketing um, secure, uh, security VPN-type products. And the architecture, the sort of the, the uh, going forward architecture, is really um, a device from inside calling out, calling home, right? So the way it works with secure by Symmetrics is that the appliance that you see on the left there um, actually start, initiates everything from inside the, in, inside the organization out to the cloud. When it needs to to provide remote uh, management of the, the devices, right? So other uh, products uh, from companies like Box and Separate Networks and IoT do the same thing, uh, or something similar. Uh, obviously, not not specific to Backnet. Um, so that that actually solves a lot of problems uh, because no ports actually need to be opened up. Um, they typically go from inside out. Uh, and they are typically, obviously, security devices, inherently secure, like, like uh, uh, secured by symmetrics and the other products that I mentioned. Uh, and um, uh, IT departments uh, and, and other, other systems in the IT organization would, would behave the same way. I think a lot of things like printers do the same thing. They, they, they call out. Uh, so this is, again, something that's familiar to IT organizations.
3: Good, okay. I think Um, uh, I would add to that. Sorry. uh, There isn't a one size fits all. uh, It really depends on the organization, uh, what the the mission is. Uh, Some places will allow no outbound service, uh, but uh, I think that the methods that Anto uh, mentioned are are usually acceptable to most people when they understand them. Mm -hmm.
0: Got some more questions come in. We'll we'll, we'll try and answer all these before we finish. Uh, Yeah, interesting on this. Um, I would be interested to hear from the panel as to what is the best way to get started. It sounds like you start with identify from the the NIST framework, but tactically, what do you actually do in existing buildings?
2: So from an assessment perspective, uh, the first thing is to we're talking about a single system. Uh, like like building automation, then your the assessment process is to look at the, the the key elements that make it up. So, in the case of a building automation system, you typically have a server and you have some IP controllers, and it's at the IP level that you're you're most uh, concerned. So, in the at the server level, what what is it we're concerned about? Well, what's software revision on the on the server itself both on the application and at the operating system level are they up to date yes or no if they are do they have the latest security patches in them so that's that's typically the uh, the key starting point then the server and or the uh the network type controllers often have uh user configurations within the within the panel or within the server and the configurations thing you're going to look at Uh, because for an example of that is many systems have have some sort of auto lockout feature that 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 the application supports has that been used Uh, because that's critical to uh, defeating any kind of password cracker that might be trying to guess the passwords to the system so that's that's a typical step you know we've we've talked a little bit about the just a few minutes ago about about the network side, so the system is connected often remotely, and ability. And if you're not using some kind of a secure VPN product, uh, you need to be, uh, because the uh, the system can be, particularly systems that have public-facing IP addresses, can be discovered uh, easily. And there's there's websites that you can go to, like Shodan, that have list of all the public facing ID systems in the marketplace today you don't want to be one of them so those are just a couple of examples of, of typical
1: areas where you start to break down the process of doing your assessment I, I would actually uh, provide a different answer um, not, you know, everything Steve said is, is valid but I, I think the first thing um, you need to do especially if you're sort of in the channel integrator or contractor is to raise the cybersecurity issue right You are likely to be in meetings with clients, with vendors, with your project team. You know, planning things, um, uh, planning a project, planning you know even a sales process. Uh, I I believe that in each and every one of those meetings, uh, where you have a a sort of a listed agenda of stuff to you know products to decide, whatever, there needs to be a line item that says cybersecurity. How, in this particular context of this project being being executed, what what of the cybersecurity implications is, is the is the building owner uh, aware of the need for um, uh, a plan for you know uh, restoring um, recovery and all the all this uh, stuff so you really need to it's, it's a as we talked about earlier in the in the summit discussion it's more about the process and sort of the human sort of uh, side of things and I think you need to bring that up um, even before you start to talk about technology and and um, you know the, the the stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah. Bring it up every time, and if there's no good answer, you know you really need to push that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, some good advice there. Thank you. Um, I think we've got time for one more question, guys. Um, here it is: uh, Do you think that an IT web services approach, such as MQTT with c- certificate authentication, will be the only approach that IT departments will accept?
3: I, mean, uh, I don't uh the uh, backnet committee has uh has looked at MQTT and uh it might be an option that they go with in the future uh but uh we don't believe that that will be the only option uh there are some people that uh that uh, are biased towards that solution uh but there are many many other solutions out there uh it, for people who are generally uh not experienced with what's gone on in the industry for uh, the last 30 years, it looked like an attractive option, uh, but a lot of people coming in from the IT side or the IOT side really don't have the perspective of just how deeply embedded the industry is with existing technologies, and uh, MQTT uh, does not add a significant amount of value. It's fine technology and could be used, but uh, it's it's certainly not an imperative.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, it just, just so kind of
1: depends on which, which, part, which, which part of the stack you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe in the sort of the IT communications, or sorry, the communications to the cloud and things that sort are of, sort of towards the top of the stack, something like MQTT would be more applicable. But uh, Jim's comments about uh, something like MacNet and, and other sort of building-centric protocols are uh, have much more sort of nuance to, uh, to the, the applications that we have to deal with.
3: Yeah, in fact, I'd point out that the you know the the real value of uh, something like uh, BackNet is the application layer uh, data definitions, default behaviors, how information is represented, uh, how it's transmitted on the wire is a commodity, and whatever that communication technology is will certainly evolve over time, and uh, ultimately we're agnostic on that.
0: Mm. I think if I was to read into the question a little bit, I I was wondering if um, what they were saying was because, you know, MQTT with certificate authentication is something that IT departments, you know, know about, quote unquote, um, is, you know, are they more comfortable with it? And therefore, is it something because they understand it a little bit more, they're, you know, they're more inclined to, uh, to go with it? Is there something in that?
3: Well, I mean, it, it's,
1: it's part of the, the sort of the, the thesis that I mentioned earlier, that we obviously need to um, uh, apply as much uh, IT-friendly uh, technology right. as yeah. possible, right? So the, the statement that you made uh, fits with that, but mm. we also have to make sure that the applications of controlling air and heat and, you know, all the stuff that BAS does um, works the way it has to work. Otherwise, you really don't have an automation system. So it has to sort of balance the two. Um, and uh, you know, in some places, you, you can and should do that. But in, in other places, you can't. So it, it's kind of, it, there's a lot of um, pieces to this. And I don't think making a blanket statement like NTT is the only thing doesn't make sense. It's the same saying that backnet
0: is the only thing. That doesn't make sense either. No, no, for uh, sure. And I, I don't think... Um, I,
3: I would go for subtle reasons that uh, it's not as straightforward as it appears.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't think that who asked the question they, they were saying that it was the only uh, the the only way forward. Just that um, yeah, I think it was as, as you said, Anto, kind of in, uh, fits into what you were saying about being able to talk uh, the same language, or at least, you know, consider IT, IT departments and things like that. Um, I'm, I think it looks like we've, we've come to an end. I'm afraid we've run out of time. There are some questions I, I wasn't able to get to. I'm um, so, I'm sorry for that. Um, but uh, you know, feel free maybe to, you um, post them on our on our website once i once i put the video up and um we'll we'll try and get around to answering them um when we can um so yeah uh, i think just remains me to say guys from from your perspective was there anything you wanted to finish finish with
3: i think uh just thanks thank you everyone in the audience for listening uh it's a very dynamic topic and will be changing very rapidly over the next few years. Uh, we're taking the first steps now to get started, uh, but we certainly appreciate everyone's feedback uh, and questions and look forward to working with you as an industry as we go forward. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Good.
0: Great. And we have recorded um, the session, so I'll be putting up the the slides and the audio recording Um on our website memorycom later so you'll be able to uh, listen again or of course share with please feel free to share with colleagues um, or other industry contacts uh, and spread the word um, and beyond that you can also subscribe to all of our content all the webinars we'll be doing this year that's going to be up on uh, on um, iTunes and Spotify so if you search for smart building series you'll find us there and thanks again for for listening today Appreciate and of course to uh, Anto, Steve, Jim. Thanks very much for your time.
3: Thank Jim, you. thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.